You are now tuned in to I Am with Kirk Ray Smith. What you see is what you get. I keep it a buck. Keep it 100 any day. That's a must. I am who I am. Make no apologies about it. I'm real. You ain't never got to doubt it. What you see is what you get. I keep it a buck. Keep it 100 any day. That's a must. I am who I am. Make no apologies about it. I'm real. You ain't never got to doubt it. Can't worry about the hate. They ain't up for debate. Cause I love myself too much to be fake. I will represent the truth until I'm blue in the face. Got my eyes on the prize, trying to keep up the pace. Got a lot on my mind, trying to let it be known. I like to shoot it straight, a word that I own. But I don't empty a clip, instead I empty my dome. If we wanna see change, then it starts in the home. Cause what you see is what you get. I keep it a buck, keep it 100 any day. That's a must. I am who I am. Make no apologies about it. I'm real, you ain't never gotta doubt it. What you see is what you get. I keep it a buck, keep it 100 any day. That's a must. I am who I am. Make no apologies about it. I'm real, you ain't never gotta doubt it. again y'all know what it is y'all know how we do it you know how we get down really excited about today's uh, uh episode recorded of course you know you guys we put up try to put up a, a new recording each and every week uh definitely want to uh, give a shout out uh, uh my organization kirkman unlimited and associates as you guys know if you're looking for life insurance voluntary benefits personal training fitness coaching nonprofit business consulting speaking engage engagements you know where to find us on Facebook at Kirk Smith Unlimited and Associates. You can also reach us at KirkSmithUnlimited at gmail.com and also 727-383-1870. And if you are looking for the latest gear, I can tell you right now, I have a couple. Check out the latest gear from yours truly. You know, one pair of casual wear, sports wear, whatever it is. We got you covered at one-apparel.equit.com, uh, online superstore, deals every day. We got it all. Come check us out. Discounts all the time. Uh, we will get things to you. Uh, as we should say in the military, most rickety tick. You'll love our fashion. And again, all those consulting needs, you can get with us at Kirkman Unlimited at gmail.com or 727-383-1870. If you're looking for the podcast, you can find us wherever you use podcasts, every platform you use, where Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, Google Podcasts, probably 30 different platforms. Check us out. Uh, always excited about all of our guests. The shows are lively. They're fun. Uh, but definitely support us. And as you guys know, I am 100% independent. And so I really rely on you guys' support and your five-star ratings. The show uh, grow its reach. So with that, so I'm excited today. I got a very, very special person uh, to join us today on the show. 
Uh, I can tell you right now uh, that this man is uh, uh, probably one of the most inspiring people I've ever met. He's very inspirational, uh, uh, super smart. I'm sure he's probably been told he was too smart for his own good sometimes. Uh, but the guy's incredible. Uh, just an amazing human being. And so um, before my man Lonnie Brewer joins us, uh, I do want to say uh, that we are excited. We have a number of guests lined up, lined up. They'll be joining us uh, here over the next several weeks. Some celebrity guests, some surprise guests that'll be popping in. Uh, it's a really, really, I think, incredible uh, topic. So again, you can pick up on old shows by subscribing to the podcast. Also, you can find us on uh, YouTube uh, at uh, I am uh, Kirk Ray Smith. And so now with that, this man, I'm telling you right now, you guys are going to be excited to hear from him. Um, his passion, his commitment, uh, just a, a great human being. Now, I'm not going to let him off the hook, though. All right, so remember that. And, and one of the requirements for Lonnie to come on the show, he had to, he had to get some truth serum. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see what he's drinking right now. So if put our hands together and uh, give my guy a round of applause. Let's welcome to the show, Mr. Lonnie. Lonnie. I'm doing all right. How about you? I'm doing pretty good, man. You look good, man. Did you uh did you shave today? You know, I, I always have to start the day with a clean shave, especially if I'm gonna be on your show, you know. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. You gotta represent. Now I don't know if I, I passed the uh, the test with the drink here because I, I got a little little tea going. So tea. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I guess I'm gonna have to find my way to the, the, the truth without the serum part, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yes, and uh, I'm getting a little bit of background from you, Lonnie. Um, you think you could turn those uh, some of those mics, those uh, speakers down a little bit? Getting a little bit of not too bad, but that's better. That's bad. That's, yeah, that's okay. That's all right, man. So, so Lonnie, man, what's been going on, man? Talk to me, man. What you been up to? Well, you know, Kirk, uh, I left my my job and 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 started my own consulting business. Uh, so, so my passion is is helping black and brown uh, people navigate their careers, especially in corporate America. Mm -hmm. uh, I think about you know when I graduated from college, started working in corporate America. I mean, I had all the, the right talent, passion, uh, skills. I, I brought a lot of things to the table that, you know, some of the people I was competing against simply didn't have, couldn't have, and would never get. Uh, but they also uh, brought some things to the table uh, that I didn't have, which was that legacy, right? I mean, I was the first person to graduate from college in, in my family. Uh, so I couldn't go to anybody and say, you know, what do I do next? So, you know, so 24 years later, um, I want to pay it forward and just make sure that I'm helping people uh, figure out how to deal with all that mess that we as people of color have to deal with in, in the workplace. So, so I not only coach top executives and help them figure out how to create an inclusive culture, uh, you know, for the people like you and me, but also work with the people who are in those cultures and help them figure out how to navigate it. In fact, I think I shared with you that I'm working on a book 
that I call bulletproof mindset. And the idea is that we have metaphorical bullets coming at us in corporate America and everywhere else. And, and obviously we have literal bullets coming at us too. But my job is to figure out how to help people become bulletproof in life and work. So that when they're in that uh, corporate environment, trying to navigate those treacherous waters, mm-hmm. you know, my, my, my philosophy is if you can see it coming, uh, you know, you can figure out how to navigate it. Uh, so that's what I do. Uh, I have like group coaching where I work with black and brown people talking through some of these challenges, helping them figure out how to move forward and be successful uh, many times uh, despite and in spite uh, of all the, the, the shit that we have to deal with. So, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm doing. So how you feeling right now? You feeling good, man? You any any kind of you know successes or I mean, where you at right now with everything? Yeah, no. So you know, I I mean, I get more calls than I can answer in terms of helping corporate uh, corporate executives. Uh, I've been getting a lot of calls for helping corporate executives uh, become inclusive leaders. So that's kind of the buzz right now. Is 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 how do we become an inclusive leader? And, and really, the short answer is, uh, is you know, uh, use a little common sense and, and, and in some cases, stop being a racist. Right. Uh, but, but those answers don't get me paid. Uh, what gets me paid is sitting down with them, meeting them where they are and, and walking them through how to move forward in a way mm-hmm. that's positive and, you know, helps everybody. I think it even helps them. So. Mm-hmm. So, so, so let me ask you this. So like, yeah. you know, you know, you've always been an entrepreneur. You've worked for large corporations, you know, international, you travel internationally. In fact, I, I remember uh, kind of hating on you a little bit when you, when you <laughs> tell me you were in South America and, and, and I'm like two blocks from my house. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, but no, man, you've done a lot and you've seen a lot and like, Feeling wise, how does it feel to you've been doing that for so long? You've been sort of doing your bit. Like, do you feel different? Do you feel any different sort of being independent versus kind of a hybrid situation? Yeah, yeah, no. So definitely, when you work for somebody, I mean, you got that big old safety net around you. I mean, you just show up, and you know, it's a lot different being on your own. You got to hustle every day. Um, You know. One, I get to pick who I work with, which which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just don't have that security. You know, I, right. I can't grow up and, and and do a half-assed job and then expect someone to feel sorry for me when it doesn't work out. So right. I have to show up every day, you know, give it my best. And, you know, um, I mean, that's tough, but I enjoy it. I mean, to, mm-hmm. to me, getting to pick who I work with um, and... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I really enjoy it. I, I can't say enough about the quality of life uh, mm-hmm. experience. I mean, I feel good each and every day. If I want to go for a walk, I need some uh, personal training uh, from you. Uh, <laughs> so, so I wish I was closer so I could get that done. Hey, I, well, too, man. I got Zoom. I got climbing on Zoom as well. Okay, well, we need to talk about that. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so just being able to take care of myself mm-hmm. and my family uh, both financially, but but in all those other ways, you know, being there for them, being there for myself. Uh, as you know, I, I, I got COVID twice in, in 2020. 
uh, in February before anybody knew what it was, right, mm -hmm. in the U.S. And then I got it later in the year, the, the 28th of December. And that second time, I caught one of the variants and it was a long hauler. So, you know, so for, for, for four or five months, I was really struggling. And, and ironically, I always tell people that, you know, some of the best gifts in life come in strange packaging because you don't know right. it's a gift. And it was a gift for me because that really mm -hmm. is what made me say, man, I could be gone tomorrow. Right. And it really made me think about what I want to be doing today if there's a chance that I could be gone tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And so one of the takeaways for me is that I need to be doing what I want to do, where I want to do, do it and making the impact and the difference that that I want to make. Mm -hmm. And so, again, I always go back to, uh, you know, I didn't get here by myself by any means. No. I started with None my father. Right. I was, I was sharing with a friend of mine the other day that that the one thing that my mother did for me, if I could point to one thing, is she forbade me to say can't, the contraction mm -hmm. can't. Mm -hmm. And, and if, if my mother asked me to do something and I, I could say anything except I can't do it. Mm -hmm. Because if I said I can't, I might as well get ready to duck. Mm -hmm. She was going to come at me. So I learned that you just try it and, and see what happens. And, and a lot of times from doing that, I was successful. So so for me, there's so many people, including you, that helped me get through and to where I am now. Mm -hmm. And so for me, a big passion of mine is helping other people with that. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that I really struggle with, especially with black people, um, I don't think we do a good job at looking out for one another. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think we've been conditioned to, uh, you know, focus on achievement. In other words, I got mine. And forget about everybody else. If you got yours, then you know, you're good. But 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 my philosophy is achievement is not enough. We have to do more than that. We have to create a legacy uh, so that it moves all of us forward. So so go ahead and get yours because you have to operate from a place of strength. But but also be thinking about who else you can help, and and be thinking about how you can scale that in a big way. And so that's what I'm doing now, man. That's what uh, working for myself allows me to do is help as many people as I can. I, you know, I just keep, I started with that circle that I drew around myself and said, I got to mm -hmm. figure out who I am and how to make me work. And then I, I drew another circle around my immediate family. How can I help that family? And then I drew a circle around my community. And, and every day that circle keeps getting bigger. And that circle being how many more people can I help and take with me? So that's what I'm trying to do. And, and like I said, I, I wish that that we as as a community, as a black community, did a better job with that. Well, well let me well, Lonnie, if, if you don't mind. So you, you kind of I think it's a great segue. You talk about who you were and trying to figure out who you are. And so, you know, this podcast is, is all about celebrating, uh, you know, who we are as individuals. It's all about being very proud and unapologetic about um or whoever or whatever we are, um, and, and how do we, you know, uh, inspire other people mm -hmm. um, to, to who might be similar to us or who may have issues or are not really sure who they are or not very proud of who they are. Or, and many uh, listeners, they, they understand, you know, my story about how I, I kind of dealt with some things. Um, and so with that, you, know, you being a black man and, and, and skillful, educated and 
um, smart and just, you know, uh, okay looking. You know, you look okay, you don't look great, but you look okay. Um, you, Lonnie, like, what is it about him that you love so much, man? What is it about Lonnie? Why is, why is Lonnie so incredible to Lonnie? Yeah, no, that's a great question, man. I think more people need to be asked that question and answer that question. You know, some of us uh, can answer that right away. Other people, it's something that we, you know, will constantly struggle with and, and, and be thinking about. You know, for me, I think it goes back to the beginning. I grew up in a place called East St. Louis. I don't know if you've heard of East St. Louis, but 99% mm -hmm. uh, black, uh, you know, poor uh, and, you know, with a single mom, three sisters. Mm. Uh, my, I met my dad when I was four and, you know, long enough to realize that he was, you know, he didn't want to be there. Mm. Uh, so I, I figured out early on that, you know, that I needed to, um, I needed to grow. I needed to be happy with who I was. Uh, and, and my mother always taught me that who you are is way more important than, you know, what you have. And so I grew up with, with, with the kind of values that a lot of people could put on a bumper sticker mm. because they know how to say it as a punchline. <laughs> they don't really live that way. Right. And, right. And I guess for me, you know, I heard it early enough and saw my mother live those values where I believed that it wasn't a bumper sticker, that it really was who I was and who, you know, who I should be. And so for me, I always felt rich. You know, I never described us as, as poor. We were broke, but not poor, because poor is a state of mind. Um, so to, to me, as long as I had those values, uh, I was not only, and, and it's something nobody could take from me, but as long as I had, those values about who I was, uh, I would be rich. Uh, and, and that would also allow me to build on that and grow and become somebody. Uh, so, so I, I mean, to this, to this day, I still believe in those things that, that I grew up with, you know, you know, be true to who you are, be authentic, you know, um, treat people the way you want to be treated. I mean, it's really basic stuff. It's not even. But how, but how do you, but how have you dealt with like over the years, you know, understanding all of that, you know, you know, been taught, taught well, good examples come up in some, some um, obviously a challenge area, you know, as, as was I, as did I, mm -hmm. but how did you deal with those when you had those moments and maybe you can share with, with us like a, a time where, you question a lot of it. Like you, you wasn't really sure about yourself. Like what's a real moment in your life that you can recall in your past, you know, where you wasn't really sure about yourself, man. He's like, ah, I don't know. I, I. You, you know what I mean? When did you like really doubt Lonnie and really wasn't sure and really wasn't even all that proud of yourself? Is it, did, yeah. did you have a moment like that in your life? You know, I mean, honestly, Kurt, I can't say that I had a moment where I doubted myself and I wasn't really sure. Mm -hmm. But I did, I did, I was put in the situations where I had to make some practical decisions, right? When you grow up in the hood, you know, I mean, I literally had to fight every day just mm -hmm. to go to school and back, right? Right. And, and you have to do some things that, you know, that you're not proud of, you know, like my sister was getting jumped before, 
you know, by this dude and, and a couple of his brothers. My sister's two and a half years older than me. I must have been about eight years old. Mm -hmm. He literally had her on the ground and just punching her in the face. So I picked up the biggest brick I could find and just, you know, took it across his head, man. I mean, you have to do stuff that you're not proud of, but you had to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other thing is, is how to make a living, right? Mm -hmm. um, when I was 19 years old, um, I, I ran across a dude that I really admired, man. This, this dude was everything that I was trying to be. Uh, well, not everything, but but he had some things that that I really admired. He had a nice car. Uh, he had a beautiful woman, uh, you know, nice clothes. You know, we played ball together all the time. He was great at basketball. And then one day he gave me a, a, a proposition. Uh, he said, hey, uh, just so you know, I get all this money because I sell drugs. And he was like, I need somebody smart and capable around me uh, to look out for my back. And he was like, I'll pay you $8,000 a month just to hang out with me. Wow. And this was back in 1990. Uh, and so I'm 19, $18,000 a month now is good money. Uh, but in 1990 at 19 years old, man, I, I was like, I was like, I, I got to think about that. And, uh, and I thought about it and I thought about how that'll really take care of a lot of things right now not just my immediate needs, but it'll take care of my family's needs too. You know, financially, that'll put me in a really good place. And I was taking a break from going to college at that time. Uh, so, so anyway, man, I, I was having hoop dreams, you know, mm -hmm. thinking about, you know, I start out there and I can do all this and that. But man, I tell you, I, I just couldn't do it. I, mm -hmm. I, I was, something was holding me back. And that something was, I was imagining myself in the future Mm -hmm. uh, talking to somebody and saying, you can make it, just believe in yourself, do, do the things that you already know are the right mm -hmm. things to do. And mm -hmm. I realized that I could never look somebody straight in the face and say that again. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I struggle with, man. It really wasn't the selling the drugs piece. It wasn't hanging out with him. It wasn't all the stuff that I might have to do that wasn't on that job description in that conversation. It was really just the, um, I'll never be able to look myself in the mirror and say some of the things that I, I can say right now. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of hesitated and I told him, I said, look, I'm not sure that this is for me. I appreciate it. Uh, mm -hmm. And then after that, uh, he got pulled over a couple days later, mm -hmm. drugs in the, in the trunk mm -hmm. and ended up in jail. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, and that, that told me that I did the, the right thing, but you know, I mean, you know, all of us have things that that we've done in the course of learning right. about who we are that we're not proud of. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know. I, I don't spend too much time uh, struggling with those things because, you know, it's part of life, you know, making mistakes. Uh, it's, it's about what you do after that to me. Well, matter. you know, like when you talk about and go back a little bit you know, about your time in East St. St. Louis. Uh huh. So like. I grew up in, in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, in this community called Avondale. And Avondale at the time uh, was the largest uh, black community, predominantly black community, probably in, in, in all of uh, South, Southern Ohio, South, uh, Western Ohio, uh, for sure. Uh, and of course it was, you know, uh, uh, we were surrounded with poverty and crime and drug abuse and prostitution and, and, and all of that. 90% of us were, were in single parent homes, if not 95. 
percent. Um, you know, and so of course, all of our schools are right there, like embedded uh, within a certain mile radius. All of our elementary schools, mm -hmm. junior high at the time wasn't any middle schools and, and high school. And so, so at any rate, so through my 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 time, you know, being a, a human service, social service professional. And, and doing a lot of work around youth development and all of that in all types of communities, suburban, urban, and rural. But the thing that was prevalent um, is that when you look at neighborhoods like you and mine, the neighborhoods we came from, mm -hmm. you had two types of kids. I always put them in two categories. So you had porch kids, P-O-R-C-H, and then corner kids, right? Mm -hmm. And so the... The corner kids were, you know, selling drugs. They want to beat you up. They're in the gangs. They're menacing or whatever. And then you had the porch kids who, if you gave them a program, gave them an opportunity, a team, a youth group or whatever it was, they'll participate. Um, and the vast majority of the kids in my neighborhood were porch kids. Mm -hmm. but, the, but the corner kids, you know, dominated all the attention, the law enforcement and everything else. So all the decisions were made around what was happening with corner kids. And the port kids were, were getting lost. Mm -hmm. And so, so we look at them all the same because they look the same. You know, we're cousins, we're siblings, whatever. So right. we were always looked at the same way. You know, I, I had my ass kicked by cops a couple times because um, I looked a certain way or whatever, been beat up a few times probably by cops all the way up through high school. But what I'm saying is, is that what, what happens too often is that we make decisions around um, what's happening with the, the, the corner kids and you lose the porch kids. And so one thing I learned as a human service, social service professional working for, with youth is a lot of those corner kids, we weren't going to get through to them. And so what I would teach my teams in the different programs and stuff that I facilitated was focus on the porch kids because they're going to take advantage of the opportunity. And then what's going to happen yeah. is they're going to become the ambassadors to the corner kids because those are their family members. Mm -hmm. And one thing I learned in that process, Lonnie, was never to tell a gang member to leave a gang. So I've never, I've worked with a lot of gang members, but I never told a gang member to leave a gang. And the reason being is asking a gang member to leave a gang was the equivalent of me asking you to leave your siblings. Yeah. Um, and so, but I learned that through working with porch kids. And so when I listen to your story, you know, you sound like a porch kid. You sound like a kid that, yeah. Yeah, you might have dibbled dab and did some, some wrong, but you if you had an opportunity, you, you would have took advantage of it. You know, there was a conviction, there was a sense of I'm not sure in you, some scariness, right? That ah, that sort of held you back. And what do you say now when you look back and you look at what's happening now in our, our communities? Do you still believe that corner kids are the vast majority in these communities, or do you think it's it's mostly corner kids and I'm sorry, uh, porch kids, do you think they're the vast majority or do you think the focus is, you know, is it mostly, you know, corner kids? And, and like, what do you say to young people that might be listening to this podcast? Yeah. No, I, I love that, um, you know, way of looking at it. Um, and, and I agree with you. Uh, they're, you know, I, I think the vast, vast majority of people are porch kids. And even some of the people who are, uh, corner kids got one foot in and one foot out of it. You know, they're not, if, if they had another way, uh, they would be happy to be porch kids. So, so no, and I, and I do think we tend to over-focus on those corner kids and, and we tend to, uh, 
allocate resources. Right, right. And build stories, uh, including on the news, about those those corner kids. And we also tend to give up on them really quickly, too. You right. know? Um, so and, and you're right, man. I mean, when when I was growing up, like I said, about the story uh, of this uh, uh, person I told you about. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, he was definitely a corner kid. Right. Mm -hmm. But 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 he, he was a good brother, man. He just didn't know. He, he didn't know another way. And mm -hmm. that way was working for him. Mm -hmm. uh, but but me, even at 19, being a porch kid. You know, I still was talking. I was still in his ear. I was still showing him what it looks like to, to as he was showing me, I was showing him a different option. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, no, I, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, and, and it's those folks, those porch kids that I want to create options for them, mm -hmm. especially uh, when, when you and all the work that you do, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you do your work. You hand them off to me when they're ready uh, to, to 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 go to college, mm -hmm. uh, to graduate, and get in corporate America. And they're going to get there and, and realize that there's a lot of stuff uh, that's going on. You know, four dimensional chess. And, and right, they need people right. like me to say, "Yep, I went through that same thing. So let's talk about it. You know, let's talk about it because right, I want right. to be successful. Um, you know, so that." we have more of us. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I don't know if I shared this with you before, but I was reading a book and it was saying that in 1985, uh, the percentage of black male managers in corporate America was mm -hmm. 3% wow. in 1985, right? And that's a critical year because that's after, you know, the workforce transformed from all white right mm -hmm. to bring in diversity and that's when the laws started to require companies uh to do things around affirmative action which is just another way of saying uh you guys got to hire black folks and, and obviously women benefited from affirmative action more than anybody uh so 1985 uh is enough time to see what happened from the late 60s mm -hmm. uh, and, and given that that whole process a chance to work so, mm -hmm. so again, 1985, 3%. And fast forward to 2016, uh, that number went from 3%, it grew all the way up to punchline 3.3%. <laughs> wow. From 3% to 3.3%. So, exactly. And, and, and I don't know what it is now, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's gone down or it's pretty stable. But the point is, is that people who look like me, uh, I, I just don't see them, even in corporate America. I, I don't see people. Uh, there was another study that I think you'll appreciate that the black men are judged to be bigger, stronger, taller, and muscular than we are, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I was in the workplace. I, I, I took a job during COVID, moved to California, uh, and when one of my... Uh, teammates, so my peers met me uh, in person after seeing me on camera for a long time. She said, oh, I said, well, what was that for? And she said, I, I, I don't know. I said, no, what's on your mind? What did, what, what did you just see? And she goes, well, honestly, I just thought you were going to be bigger than you are. <laughs> and I was just wow. like, okay. And, and, I, and I said, um, so, so say more about that. She goes, 
Uh, well, you know, I just thought you'd be bigger. I said, well, you know, I mean, I'm 5'10", 240. I mean, I don't think I'm a small person. And she goes, well, yeah, I just thought you'd be like LeBron tall. And I'm just like, man, you know, like. But see, Ms. Lonnie, let me, let me, let me, let me, because I think this is, again, another great segue. As uh -huh. we get down to the last third of the show, I want to, I want to talk about race a little bit. Yeah. And, and I think that's a great way to, a great bridge uh, to get into that now. You know, um, you know, you've been a, a black man, right? Um, mm -hmm. And you talk about, you know, how long you've been in, in corporate America and, and all the things you've been around and even that last example. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the things that I'm working on is, is a book and, and I'm not going to name, but there's a very well-known, uh, very well-known uh, celebrity friend of mine that's actually going to, uh, that's going to, is working with me to write this book and he's going to help push it for me. But we're a while away from being done, but but the book is about uh, the diary of a black executive. Mm -hmm. And so obviously being a black man, there are certain challenges that come with that on top of everything else that you would do regularly if you were a white man, all the different. But there's 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 added challenges with that, which we all know, particularly you know, black men and women. Who, who have been in corporate positions, served in corporate America at, at very high levels, you know, I think we have a lot of the same stories. Mm -hmm. So being a black man, right, uh, that, and we talked about this before, that's in an interracial marriage. Um, do, how did, do you ever find yourself in any kind of conundrum or a situation where it's perplexing on how to manage, like navigate through that? Because obviously, there are challenges that you have that you have to educate your wife around, right? That she doesn't know naturally. So how do you do both, man? How do you balance that? You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. you, you know what I mean? Do you, do you ever look at, okay, man, I'm in an interracial marriage. So, you know, that, that, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a leverage that for whatever, or does that work against you? Or do you not talk about it? Like, how do you, in this world you've been in, man, how do you navigate? Yeah, uh, I mean, so so first of all, my wife is originally from Pakistan. She moved to mm -hmm. New York, Manhattan when she was one. Okay. Uh, so so she's she's brown, and 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 how do you how do you how does that work though? Like with her being yeah. brown, does that work? Is that does that help? Like how how do you do that? Yeah. No, I mean, I I think that um, I mean it's just like anything else. Um, we're a kind of mosaic mm -hmm. of all the different life experiences that we have. We put that okay. together uh, and, and just, you know, be our genuine, authentic selves and, you know, deal with whatever comes along as part of that story. Okay. But I get your broader question. Yeah. I, mean, I, I see a lot of. Black... You, I mean, your wife, when we, when we talk about that, you know how it is in the black, like how we right. can be sometimes culturally. Or yeah. she's not black, like right, black. right, right. You know, exactly. so how do you like? You know that that's yeah. you, you know yeah. you get where you get where I'm going with that. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's a fair question. I mean, I think that uh, you know, I mean, I could talk about me personally, and I can also talk about you know it from a broader perspective. So, so me personally, uh, one of the things about being a black face in white spaces, right? Is that you just don't see that many people that look like you. I mean, I went to undergraduate school at St. Louis University, right there in the middle of a city, 
I don't know the percentages, but I mean, it must be 5% black. And it was the best school that I could get into and wouldn't change anything about that. Um, and then I went on to a PhD program at University of Illinois. Mm -hmm. And I was one of only three, or there were a total of three black men in the program and probably two or three black women. Uh, and we were all close, although we were all very, very different. Uh, right. and, then, and then I went on to graduate school at, at Cornell uh, to get my master's degree. <laughs> and, and I believe I was the only black person in the program, this very elite program, because they're the number one program in the world in my profession. And, and Illinois was the number two program in the world in my profession. So, so, so black faces and white spaces, you don't see a lot of us, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so, you know, part of how we fall in love with people is being around them, right? Right, right. And, and so, uh, so, so that's, that's a challenge. Uh, the other piece of it, to, to me, um, I always ask the why question. When I see black men who are in interracial relationships, right. it's not always because they didn't have uh, you know, proximity. They weren't around people. Uh, right. A lot of times it's because that's part of the package. That's part of the package that makes you more acceptable to white culture is that if, if you can say, uh, no, I get you all. I'm acclimated. I'm assimilated into your culture. And as proof, look at who I'm with, you know, mm -hmm. I'm trying to put my hands on camera. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so to me, the why behind who you're with is is important um you know and I, I don't think we could talk about this without talking about that but i but i'd also want to say this is that, that white people make up things about us and then we often conform to those very things right there's this idea that if you ask white people about themselves they'll say huh we're very diverse there's no single definition of what a white person is you know, we're all over. Right. The we're rich. We're right. poor. We're smart. We're not smart. Uh, you know, they would go on with how diverse they are as people. And then if you ask right. them about us, they say, well, you know, the, the reason is so offensive. One of the reasons is so offensive to talk about us as a they and a them uh, is because mm -hmm. it, it homogenizes us. It takes away our humanity, but it also talks about us as if we're all the same. And right. unfortunately, some part of That's us right. buys into that, right? Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. as much as I can't stand Clarence Thomas or Shelby Steele and, and some other folks, uh, Candace, whatever the her, hell her last name is, oh, I can't stand those people, but I also mm -hmm. think they have a right to exist. I think that we should have black conservatives, black liberals and people in the middle. But, but where I'm going with this is that, that we're so quick to try to snatch somebody's black card out of their wallet and tell right. someone that they're not authentic because which is a, which is a myth by the way, but yeah. Right. 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 And, and so, so that's where I push back on that. Um, you know, who you, who you love uh, is determined by more things than just color. Mm -hmm. Although, I mean, I completely agree. Uh, you you got to get behind the why, uh, right. see what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And then you also have to appreciate that, uh, that when you do go that route, uh, you are missing something. And, mm -hmm. and it, is, it is a sad thing to see that more of us don't have the opportunity to be in these 
white places, mm-hmm. uh, black faces and white spaces together so we can fall in love because we're right there next to each other. Well, let me, let me, let me, if I can interject a little bit, um, yeah. because I think something that I want, you know, our listeners to, to get um, from, you know, this, this conversation, mm-hmm. you talk about, you know, opportunities for us and, and what happens a lot of times. And again, you know, um, being black myself mm-hmm. and being, in, you know, you know, high level, senior level corporate positions all the way up to CEO. Um, I've been in a number of situations where some of my most challenging um, uh, detractors or people who are in opposition of me were black, other black people in some yeah. of the same spaces where it was almost competitive. Mm-hmm. So if there's a room of, let's just say, you know, 10 vice presidents and mm-hmm. and I'm in the room and there's one other you know, black person there, in some cases, even Hispanic, all of a sudden it becomes a rivalry. Yeah. It uh, becomes competitive. And, and, right. And, and so I think a lot of those things, uh, Lonnie, are generational. I think a lot of those behaviors were taught to us way back as far as slavery. Willie um, Lynch. You know, Willie Lynch absolutely taught that very, the core of his teaching, uh, like we were horses or something. But, um, but what I'm saying is, is that while I agree that we, we need more opportunities, we need to be in these positions, I don't think certain things would happen unless there's a person of color sitting in decision-making decisions where, you know, decision-makers where, you know, we just wouldn't get those opportunities. But my thing is, is when, when you start talking about bringing people together, because I was always really big about convening Mm-hmm. always big how can i bring as many people together as possible but i discovered man that I, that unity and 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 i want to be clear about this in this proper context but i think unity is overrated uh i even think understanding is overrated and, and an example i'll give is um i right now i live in a community where you know uh you know we're the only black family in this community literally i mean i'm talking it's a small gated area, several homes. We're only black people here. And 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 I have some some racist, some racist neighbors. I have some neighbors who are incredibly racist. Mm-hmm. And they make it very clear that they are. You know, it's just no question. I mean, I remember going to the mailbox and you know, cars parked at the near the mailbox watching me get my mail and watch me all the way from the mail to my front door, and they pull off, you know. Um and I said to myself, well, I don't have to, you know, reach out to these people. I don't have to shake their hands. I don't have to pet their dogs. I don't have to show up to their house with, with pies and, 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 and baked goods. Like, my thing is, if you're racist and you have an issue with me, mm-hmm. that's up to you. As long as you keep your racism, bigotry across the street on your property, you can be as racist as you want. And you never have to communicate with me a day in your life. And so I don't know if I need to be unified with those people, right? I, I'm not trying to work anything out. If they, you stay there, I'll stay here. And to me, that's peace. I think when you start trying to get people to come together who have no real interest in each other, I think that's where you cause problems. So I think we got to take a real look at this convening and this, and to me, I believe it's a myth that unity is the, 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 the key. I'm not sure unity is the key, man. I think you know, if folks don't want to do with Kirk Ray Smith, well, I mean, that's their choice and that's okay. Uh, we don't have to come together. 
um, to, to live peacefully amongst each other. When you say unity, um, are, are you talking about across races? Just you know, across races or any any group of people or individual that, that's diametrically opposed to you and have an issue with you for whatever, do yeah. you really have to make peace with those people? Like, I don't have to be at war with you. I have to fight you. But yeah. if, if you are, I can stay completely separate from you and be fine. And, and I'm wondering, are we putting too much emphasis on trying to bring people together? Yeah. A, a quick story. I uh, One of the things I'm doing is I have a, a group coaching uh, network, if you would. So if you think about people who are black and brown, uh, but fairly early in their corporate career, they mm -hmm. really need a mentor and a champion, someone who can guide them through, uh, you know, some of the tough things that they face. And at that level, uh, a lot of the folks are facing some of the same issues, right? Mm -hmm. So what I do is I bring them all together uh, around a topic. Uh, and I say, today we're going to talk about imposter syndrome, right? Mm. Uh, and, and what I'd like you to do is, is share your stories about when you felt uh, that you didn't belong in the room that you were in and why. Mm. And I'd like you to talk about what you did about that, what worked, what didn't work. And I want you to share this with the rest of the group. So every everybody in that room is black and brown. Uh, everybody in that room is very uh, ambitious, very intelligent, successful, etc. Mm -hmm. uh, but but that's not the first criteria that I use for selecting the people that got to participate. Mm -hmm. The first criteria uh, was that they were good people, because I don't want to spend my time. I have a no asshole rule. I don't want to spend my time helping people that aren't going to use that to help other people. Right. Mm -hmm. So so my first session, I invited somebody in against my better judgment that I didn't know that well. Mm -hmm. uh, so I couldn't really speak to her character. But I felt like, you know, she seems all right. And the little I know of her should be great to have on the team. Black woman. Mm -hmm. So so as we were talking, um, her one thing and she described it as the elephant in the room. And I'm like, where's she going with this? And her question was, well, what do you get out of helping us? Mm -hmm. What's your angle? Mm -hmm. And I was like, how in the hell? You know, I was so offended. And I struggled with that for at least 20 Yeah, yeah, I remember you talking yep, that's the right. hell out of me. Yep, yep. And I finally realized that what bothered me is that I was trying to show her kindness, you know, and help her and the rest of the room. And, and she was adding negativity. It wasn't just the question. Mm -hmm. It was the, uh, you know, trying to make herself look clever. Right, right, right. Negative and energy. What was that all about? Right. And what I didn't realize until my, my partner, who's uh, also a black woman, she's from Uganda, been here eight years. She pointed out later when we talked about this, she said, you know, you have people from Mexico, El Salvador, uh, Cuba, and all over the United States uh, on this call, both black and brown. And the one person that, you know, says something like this to you is another black woman. And she's like, you know, that's the kind of question if she wanted to go there, she could have asked with some respect. Uh, she could have taken that offline. 
but she used that as a moment to show how clever she was, you know, question your integrity. And, and that's what we do to each other. Uh, and, and what I teach people to do is amplify one another. You know, if Kurt right. says something in the meeting, I'm not going to be hating on Kurt. What I'm going to be doing is going, you know, I agree. It's a great point. What Kurt just said, I'm going to remind everybody that you said it. I'm going to co-sign on it and say it was a brilliant idea and I'm going to get behind you. That's how you mm -hmm. amplify, you know, somebody else's voice. Mm -hmm. But she did exactly the opposite. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, it, let me just share one more story at Cornell. Uh, when I got to Cornell, uh, I didn't go to undergrad there. So I went to graduate school there. And, and I'm used to when you walk around and see another black person, especially a black person in a white space, uh, you make eye contact and you eagerly greet them. Right. Uh, you might not walk up and hug them or anything, but you definitely like, hey, what's up? What's up? You know, you give them some love. Right. And uh, I got to Cornell and, and I saw my first black person. I was making eye contact going like this and they didn't look at me. I'm like, OK, well, they probably didn't see me. And then it, it happened with the next one and the next one and the next one. Out that there was something going on here. And, and, and so I would ask other people, like, what's that about? And nobody had an answer. So my mother, who at the time was in her 60s, I brought her to Cornell right when I was going through my graduation. I said, Mom, I have a challenge for you. I said, I bet you can't find one black person and simply get them to make eye contact with you. I bet you you can't do it. And then she was like, of course I can. Because she's a black woman from Mississippi, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so she knew, she was like, oh yeah, I'm an older woman. You know, they're not gonna treat me that way. And she was wrong. Nobody would look at her. They wouldn't even look at her, Kurt. Wouldn't even make eye contact. Mm -hmm. and, and later I started to realize what that was. And it goes back to something you said is that I want to be the pet. If I'm mm -hmm. I'm the black person here, I'm used to being the only one, and you're taking away the spotlight from me, or right. you're reminding everybody that I'm black, they're going to think I know you. I don't right. know what it is, and quite frankly, I don't care, but but it, it's, it's really sad, man. It, it crushes my heart. Well, well, well Lonnie, as we, as, as we get to the, close to the end of the show, I want to, because um, we only have a couple minutes left, but... Okay. I want want to give you an opportunity to share information on how people can uh, get in contact with you should they want uh, need your services, find out more about what you offer. Um, I know there's a bunch of people, you know, all over the country that can use your insight and knowledge and, and definitely over there in Cali. So can you just take a, a minute just to kind of uh, let, let us know uh, how we can reach you? Uh, should we be in need of any of your service or just to find out more information? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And uh, so it's really easy. Uh, so LonnieBrewerConsulting.com is my website. Uh, Can again, you spell Lonnie, that out, Lonnie? Yeah, so LonnieBrewerConsulting.com. So L-O-N-N-I-E-B-R-E-W-E-R-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. So that's my website. You can also pick up the phone and call me. I'm old fashioned. I like to just talk on the phone. So my number is 908-801-1481. So, so yeah, they can either, you know, hit me up through the website and, and it has my email address and, and the rest of my contact 
information there or call me directly. And and even if somebody just wants to talk through something, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I mean, I probably spend as much time helping people, uh, you know, for free as I do getting paid for it. Because again, uh, what really matters to me is helping people move forward. And I know that, uh, you know, as long as I'm doing my passion uh, and living right, I know that, you know, opportunities will keep coming to me. So, so I appreciate you and uh, thank you for letting well, me share that I, with people. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate you too, Lonnie. Um, you know, I'm really uh, grateful that you took the time out uh, to join us today. I will tell the audience that, you know, uh, not all of our shows, but a number of our shows are available uh, both uh, through video and audio. We may have a little challenge with this particular show from a video perspective. We had some technical difficulties, but you can certainly get it uh, on the podcast. Uh, but Lonnie, definitely grateful, man. Uh, I think uh, what you shared was insightful. I think it's important. I think people need to hear it. Um, and I tell you guys, I'll encourage you, you know, reach out to Lonnie. Uh, he's, he's a true asset. I uh, know to me for, on a professional level, he's uh, worked uh, closely with me. And I've definitely benefited the organizations that I've, I've ran and benefited uh, from his uh, insight, uh, you know, commitment and just um, the depth of knowledge around leadership and personal development. Uh, you know, he's the guy. Uh, so definitely reach out to Lonnie, um, you know, and, and, and I'm sure he can help you in some kind of way. So the I am uh, with Kirk Ray Smith podcast. We're excited. Uh, we're continuing to grow people to subscribe. Podcast, we need you to uh, give us the five star ratings. Jump on Spotify, jump on Apple Podcasts, jump on Google Podcasts. Look up any podcast platform, we're probably there. Uh, we need your support. We're always looking for sponsors uh, to help move the show uh, forward from a marketing uh, perspective. Uh, you can catch many of our some of our videos at YouTube with I am uh, Kirk Ray Smith, also on Facebook at Kirk is Unlimited, um, IG uh, Kirk Ray Smith. Uh, there as well, as well as Twitter, same handle, Kirk Ray Smith. Um, but, and again, if you're looking for clothing, check us out at One Apparel. That's one-apparel.equit.com uh, for the latest clothing and fashion at, at discounted prices, but not a discounted uh, product. Um, so with that, uh, thank you for joining us. Spread the word. Let people know we're making great things happen with I Am with Kirk Ray Smith podcast. Make it a great day. Make it a great evening. Make it a great week. Make it a great month. Make it a great year. One. Thank you, Lonnie. Thank you, Kurt. What you see is what you get. I keep it a buck. Keep it 100 any day. That's a must. I am who I am. Make no apologies about it. I'm real, you ain't never gotta doubt it. What you see is what you get. I keep it a buck. Yeah. Keep it 100 any day. That's a must. I am who I am. Make no apologies about it. I'm real, you ain't never gotta doubt it. Can't worry about the hate, they ain't up for debate. Cause I love myself too much to be fake. I will represent the truth until I'm blue in the face. Got my eyes on the prize, trying to keep up the pace. Got a lot on my mind, time to let it be known. I like to shoot it straight, a word that I own. But I don't empty a clip, instead I empty my dome. If we wanna see change, then it starts in the home. Cause what you see is what you get. I keep it a buck, keep it 100 any day. That's a must, I am who I am. Make no apologies about it. I'm real, you ain't never gotta doubt it. What you see is what you get.
doubt it.